Hello, everybody. Welcome uh, once again as we continue on in our study of the New Testament. We're working through the New Testament pretty much a week at a time. We, uh, we're, we're well in now. Over three years, we've been looking at the New Testament together. Um, we're in the book of Romans. We're well into the book of Romans. We'll, we'll be in chapter 11. Um, in, in case this is your first time here, we've already done Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the book of Acts. Um, and then coming out of the book of Acts, since we had just talked about the missionary journeys, we decided we would look at Paul's letters um, in the order that we believe he wrote them. So we, we've not actually been doing the New Testament in the order that it's in the book, but we're, we're moving around based on coming out of Acts and wanting to talk about Paul and the new church and how it relates and, and uh, that holding it in context like that I think really helps when you read through the New Testament that you, uh, uh, you don't, uh, you know, that you, you get that the, the epistles were written for most of them had a point, obviously, um, that Paul was re responding to questions that he'd been asked about the new church. The new church was filled with questions because it was a brand new thing. They'd never done this before. And uh, there was a lot of issues that came up. And uh, we've, we've seen most of those issues. And it's, the church still has, 2,000 years later, many of the same issues that we're dealing with. And so we can look back to Paul's advice on how to deal with some of those things. Um, but, but, you know, we want to make sure that we're holding it in the context of the entire story. It still applies to today, but, but it applies in context, not pick, take a piece out of this and a piece out of that and throw it together and make it say something that they never intended. So uh, having a, a study like this is very helpful in, in kind of, you know, getting a good foundation on the, uh, the Bible and in the New Testament. And I've told you this, when we're done with the New Testament, God willing, uh, Deo Valente, so what that means, uh, we'll jump into the Old Testament and we'll start working through it. I think it takes 15 years. Um, some of my guys have already asked me, how are you going to preach through the book of Numbers? Um, <laughs> I don't know. With a, a with a calculator, a chapter at a time. I don't know. We'll, we'll get there when we get there. Jesus could come back before the book of Numbers, so I'm not going to worry about it. Yeah. Yeah, well, we've got to finish, two, with two years to finish the New Testament, and then Genesis, that's got to be, that's got to almost, that's 50-some chapters, that's a year right there. So then you've got Exodus, which is a big one, Leviticus, Numbers. Dude, I've got like six, eight years. I'll probably be a lot smarter then. That's how I'm going to do it, Barry. <laughs> I hope I'm smarter in eight years. Thank you. Um, <laughs> thanks, Doc. You know what? So will you. We're recording too, so this is, this is live. Okay. Um, so we're in the book of Romans, and uh, today we're going to look at Romans chapter 11. Last week, obviously, we were looking at Romans chapter 10, and we were talking about Paul's deep passion for his own people, for the people of Israel. And he wanted to see them get saved, but they were struggling. Um, they were really stuck um, in, in the whole process, and Paul um, really had pinpointed Israel's problem they had disregarded the righteousness that comes from God and had sought to establish their own. That was their big problem. That's why they were stuck. They were trying to do it in their own strength and they thought they could do it by observing the law the way they interpreted it and they weren't, it wasn't working for them. But they were stuck there. They were kind of... And, and um, you know, they'd seen... I mean, Jesus had come. Um, many, many opportunities for Israel to climb on board and yet... Uh, most of them had rejected Jesus. 
Um, and last week too, we looked at verses 9 and 10 of Romans 10, and uh, I wanted just to touch on that again because they're such vital verses that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe your heart in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Uh, I said that those verses give us a beautiful answer to the question about how to become a Christian. And that, that the, the answer I like to think of with those verses is that, that if someone were to ask you that, that salvation is as close as your own lips and heart. That's how close it is. And people want to make it way more complicated than that, but it's not. If you believe in your heart and say with your mouth that Christ is the risen Lord, you're saved. That's what that verse said. That's what it's all about. It's that process. That's, that's the heart of it. So uh, I, I, I love the answer. It's as close as your own lips and heart. And I also encouraged you along those lines to um, think about what you would say if someone asked you how to be a Christian. And uh, I want to encourage you to think about it some more because I'm sure most of that stuff, you know, we get busy and we leave and we forget about it. Um, So I want to put it back in front of you today. Next week there'll be a test. I'll have you all stand up and tell me how. No, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) No one will come back. No. Think about it though. Uh, And, and, uh, I want to encourage you to think about it in a way where you, where you limit yourself to two or three minutes because you only have people's attention for a very short period of time. Very, very short period of time. You'll see them wander. I, watch, I, I do this for a living and I watch people's attention span. That's why I preach 20 minutes pretty much. 22, 24. I watch. I can feel people leaving me. And I'm like, well, this is, <laughs> let's shut her down. But you're still with me now for the moment, so that's good. So think about two or three minutes of, of how you would answer that question if someone asked you, well, what do I need to do to be a Christian or what's it about or something? Two or three minutes, a, a gospel presentation that you can share with people that, that feels like you. And uh, so I have, have that going. Um, so now we're in chapter 11 and Paul is still dealing with some theological issues that the people of Israel are having with, with Christianity and it's a pretty good, intense chapter. So um, let's dig in, 36 verses. Romans chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. I'm reading out of the NIV. You can follow along in your Bibles, whatever translation they might be. There's some in the rows. that should be in your notes if you've got a bulletin. Here we go. Verse 1. I ask then, did God reject his people? By no means. I am an Israelite myself, a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. God did not reject his people whom he foreknew. Don't you know what the scripture says in the passage about Elijah? How he appealed to God against Israel. Lord, they've killed your prophets and torn down your altars. I am the only one left and they're trying to kill me. And what was God's answer to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. And if by grace, then it is no longer by works. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. What then? What Israel sought so earnestly it did not obtain, but the elect did. The others were hardened. As it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes so they could not see and ears so they could not hear to this very day. And David says, May their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them. May their eyes be darkened so they cannot see and their backs be bent forever. Again I ask, did they stumble so as to fall beyond recovery? Not at all. Rather, because of their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel envious. But if their transgression means riches for the world and their loss means riches for the Gentiles, how much greater riches will their fullness bring? I am talking to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle to the Gentiles. 
I make much of my ministry in the hope that I may somehow arouse my own people to envy and save some of them. That's, we'll talk about that. That's good stuff. For if their rejection is the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? If the part of the dough offered as first fruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. If some of the branches have been broken off, and you, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root, do not boast over those branches. That's you, by the way. You're the wild olive shoot. I don't know if you've ever thought of yourself as that, but just so you know, if you're looking for a new handle. I don't know. I'm sorry. If you do, consider this. You do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will say then, branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. Granted, but they were broken off because of unbelief, and you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but be afraid. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he won't spare you either. Consider therefore the kindness and sternness of God, sternness to those who fell, but kindness to you, provided that you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you'll also be cut off. Don't become like the established rich community again. Stay in his kindness. And if they did not persist in unbelief, they'll be grafted in. If they do not persist in unbelief, they'll be grafted in. For God, God is able to graft them in again. After all, if you, were cut off, uh, 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 if you were cut off an olive tree that is wild by nature and contrary to nature, were grafted into a cultivated olive tree, how much more readily will these, the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved. That is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn godlessness away from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. As far as the gospel is concerned, they're enemies on your account. But as far as election is concerned, they are loved on account of the patriarchs. For God's gift and his call are irrevocable. Just as you who were at one time disobedient to God have now received mercy as a result of their disobedience, so they too have now become disobedient in order that they too may now receive mercy as a result of God's mercy to you. For God has bound all men over to disobedience so that he may have mercy on them all. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his path beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Okay, lots of neat stuff going on in, uh, in Romans 11. And we'll take it here in a few chunks and, and talk about it. Romans 11, the first six verses. Um, Paul makes the statement, he points out that not all of the Jewish people have rejected God's message of salvation. And he says pretty plainly, he himself was Jewish, as were Jewish disciples, and nearly all of the early Christian missionaries, they were all Jewish, um, and had believed in and accepted Jesus as Messiah. And so certainly not all of Israel had uh, missed the boat. Some, some people had certainly found it. God chose the Jews to be the people through whom the rest of the world could find salvation. But this didn't mean the entire Jewish nation would be saved. Only those who were faithful to God were considered true Jews. We're saved through faith in Christ, not because we're part of a nation, religion, family, or church. 
The church is now tasked with the mission of letting the world know about God and the way to him in Christ. And so Paul is just saying what, what really makes sense. Just because you're born uh, in, in, uh, in a certain family doesn't mean you're automatically okay. It all is about faith that you need to have in, in Christ. And uh, it's true then and it's true today. Um, and the argument that many of the, the, the descendants of Abraham were making is we're, we're in because we're descendants of Abraham. And Paul said, no, that's not how it works. Um, that's a good thing to be. And there's a special love of God in, in that situation. And he talks about that. But still, the way in is faith in Christ. And that's, that's how it's going to be and uh, how it happens in the process. Verses 7 through 10. Interesting thing here. Um, the hearts of the rest were hardened. And, and sometimes there's in Scripture this thing where, where it, it basically looks like God has closed people's eyes and ears to hear, and it doesn't seem fair or just. Let's talk about it for a minute. This, this happens as a consequence of their sin in refusing to believe the good news. And, and let me try and explain it this way. Resisting God is like saying to him, leave me alone. It's like saying to God, leave me alone. I don't want anything to do with you. I've heard what you have to offer. I don't want to hear it anymore. Um, but because God is ever present, um, so there's really no way around that. I believe his answer to that request um, is to agree to make that person less sensitive and more hardened because that's what they're sort of asking for. They're not beyond hope or help. Then Paul makes that clear. If they come to Jesus, everybody's got hope. But, but the hardening is in response to them saying, we're not going to listen and believe. Remember that Jesus had just come 20 years before, and he had done things that only God could do. They had seen it. They, they knew it was God, and they still chose to reject him. That's what we're dealing with and why this hardness pops on them. Because they, they'd seen God in their midst, but because he didn't fit into their box, they had flat out rejected him and said, no, we don't want you that way. And so the result was, the consequence of that was there was a hardening that came upon them. Not one I don't think they could come back from if they wanted to, but uh, they were less sensitive. And, and I think there's something about um, that concept that, that needs to keep us, you know, really listening and connected with God. We don't ever want to get hardened like that and start basically saying, God, no, we got this. We don't need you anymore. Um, if people refuse to hear God's good news, they eventually will be unable to understand it. If they keep refusing, 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 eventually they can't, they can't even begin to take it in. But there's always a little bit of hope. And uh, they can repent at any time. And there's a possibility then in Christ. Romans 11, 11 through 15. Paul had a vision of a church where all believers, um, Jewish, Gentile, whatever, would be united in their love of God and in obedience to Christ. And while respecting God's law, this ideal church would look to Christ alone for salvation. A person's ethnic background, social status would not matter at all. All that would matter would be their faith in Christ. Unfortunately, that's still way more an ideal than it is a reality. Um, Paul never really got to see it, and the church still struggles in that. We, we um, you know, we're shooting at that. But, uh, and it's a good hope. I'm always interested in people talking to me about this place because we have such a wide mix of everybody in here. If you look around, this is a pretty mixed up place, led by a pretty mixed up guy. Um, and I think that's really good. But, but you know, the, the church has always sort of gotten itself 
you know, caught on little things that really don't matter. And it happened back then. You know, Paul wanted to see the Jewish believers and the Gentile believers just hanging out together, worshiping Jesus. That's what he wanted to see, and they couldn't make it work. They really struggled. And they kept, you know, pulling apart and picking on each other and going after each other. And it was just a, it was just a big issue this way. Um, you know, I always talk here. You'll hear me say this all the time and we do it every service. We pray for all the churches where the good news is being preached. I think that's really important. And, and uh, I think we want to make sure to the best of our ability that we're always a blessing to the church, regardless of what building they happen to meet. And if they love Jesus, um, we love them, you know? And, and uh, we want to continue to keep that up. That's sort of more along the lines of the ideal. Even though we're not all in the same building, if we can get on the same page, that then we're, we're moving in a, in a better situation. You know, and there's things where, where unfortunately parts of what's called the church, um, uh, I always make that thing, if, they, if they're really preaching the gospel, the good news, and loving Jesus, we, we have this connection, you know, and, and you know, there, there can, there's a lot of room for some of the stuff on the other end, but we, we want to keep praying. People ask me sometimes, like, but I just want to pray. Um, I'm firmly convinced that God loves the church. I'm pretty sure that's what the book says. He loves the church, loves it. They, they, he went to great lengths for the church. I mean, laid down his life for the church. He's coming back for the church. And not just this little group, I mean the church. He loves the church. And I don't want to get outside of that. If God loves the church, I want to love the church too. And uh, the best that we can. So we pray for them. I'm, I'm excited there's, um, in our little town now, there's a new church that just started down the road, and there's another group, the Russian Orthodox, just bought the building out here on the highway. So two new churches coming into the little town. And I think, well, that's cool. That means there's stuff going on in the, in the whole realm that's making it good planning ground, which is awesome, I think, because it's, it's a wonderful thing. And uh, it's good. I I've went and visited the, the church at the other end of the island. Pastor Ernie's out there. He was in Key West for a long time. And uh, he's good. They got a nice little, little, little spot out there. And, it was funny, they had, uh, he was having some technical issues with his equipment. He called me, you anybody that can fix my stuff? Probably. So I, I said, let me, let me see what you got. And I went out and we got the first round gone and we'll go back out and get them set up properly. Um, but you know, that's good stuff. There's, there's, uh, there's so many people here that, that need to know Jesus. And, and so if, if whatever we can do to make that work is a wonderful thing. Romans 11, 20, uh, 16 through 26, another interesting phrase, and it's the phrase, and so all Israel will be saved. Some say that that means that the majority of Jews in the final generation before Christ's return will turn to Christ for salvation. Others believe that Paul's using the term Israel to refer to the spiritual nation of Israel, which is comprised of Jews and Gentiles who have received salvation through faith in Christ. Thus, all Israel means all believers that have received God's promised gift of salvation. Other people believe all Israel means Israel as a whole will have a role in Christ's kingdom, that the Jews' identities of people won't be discarded. God chose the nation of Israel. He's never rejected it. He also chose the church through Jesus Christ, and he will never reject it either. This does not mean, of course, that all Jews or all church members will be saved. It is possible to be Jewish or to belong to a church without ever responding in faith. But just because some people have rejected Christ doesn't mean that God stops working with either Israel or the church. He continues to offer salvation freely to everybody. Um, still other people say that phrase and so means in this way or this is how 
referring to the necessity of faith in Christ. So um, there's lots of different ideas of what that means. That's one of those theological um, sticky points, and it can mean any of those things I just said. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's uh, God knows what he's going to do with Israel, and, and uh, you know, I don't. So, but he's God, and I trust him. And, and, you know, you see, like you said, Paul said, the church all started with those, the people of Israel. So uh, he's got a way for them, and what's going to happen, he knows, and how it works. Um, but we're going to find out. Isn't that cool? We'll know at some point. There won't be any more questions, just answers. Um, Paul finishes this chapter uh, by discussing how the Jews and Gentiles benefit each other. In God's original plan, the Jews would be the source of God's blessing to the Gentiles. Remember way back in Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So that was the original plan of God. However, when the people of Israel neglected the mission... God blessed the Gentiles anyway through the Jewish Messiah. So still work that out. He maintained his love um, for the Jewish people because of his promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And uh, the privileges and invitations of God will never be withdrawn from Israel. There's always hope for individuals, um, Jewish individuals, just for Gentile individuals, because Christ has come from heaven, he's died, he's risen again, and all that's left for a person to do is believe. We talked about that in the last chapter. It's not a matter of doing the law, but of confessing that Jesus is Lord and believing him in one's heart. Everyone, each individual that calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that's the heart of these few chapters of scripture tied together. And uh, that's enough for today. If you're watching my video, thank you so much. Or if you're on television, thank you for spending a few moments with us. We do appreciate your time. We know how valuable it is. And uh, we look forward to seeing you the next time we're on. We'll be back with new messages here the next few days. So thanks for watching. And uh, keysvineyard.com is our website. If you need prayer for anything, go there and send us a con contact form and we'll pray for you.